Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Today on This Caregiver Life, we chat with Kara Benson, who cares for her husband, Eric, who has been deployed to Iraq twice as a combat engineer. Eric suffers from traumatic brain injury, neurological issues, degenerative back issues, and a host of other disabilities that have left him mobility impaired. Kara not only cares for her husband, but she's also the mother to their five children and assists one who is disabled and another who has severe dietary allergies. She homeschools their children and uses their home in South Dakota as a home base for their frequent trips south where they seek warmer temperatures that are better for Eric's health. Kara had to give up her full-time career as a nonprofit director and college professor, but she still works tirelessly on the board of an organization that provides weighted blankets to children with special needs. Kara also volunteers at her church and helps with service dog organizations. Despite their family challenges, Kara has created amazing opportunities for her family and is going to talk to us today. Please welcome Kara. Sarah? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're all here. Hey! hey. Yeah. Yay! Yay! We all have right. all kinds of technical fun happening today. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! So we're all caregivers, so we all understand. We have physical therapy coming soon, and service dog, and two little dogs, and the little dogs are really going to bark. And then, of course, the guy showed up to mow the lawn, and he's <laughs> weed whacking right outside my office. So I'm in my laundry room. <laughs> I'm, I'm tucked away in a closet because I went outside and the birds are loud and the service dog is barking and somebody next door decided to mow. And it's so- why we all sound so professional. We're all in tiny recordings. <laughs> Jennifer is in Seattle at a training workshop for Wounded Warrior Project. So she's in a hotel room. I am. Thank you, Marriott. <laughs> yeah. And so Kara, uh, meet Jennifer. Is a, also an Elizabeth Dole fellow, like Kara is, and I am. We're like we're very fellow centric today. Yes, sure are. Um, so Kara, thank you for joining us today. Well, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Um, we are today going to focus a little bit on kids, and um, this is a, a great focus because we April is the month where we recognize our military children whose parents are um, were active duty and maybe now veterans and whatever the case may be, or both, you know, still, still active duty and injured, that kind of thing. Um, and you are a mom of how many children? We, we're totally crazy. We have five. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so we have five kids. They range from 15 um, down to f- just turned four. Wow. Yeah. Has a lot of children. And um, (laughs) 
Carrie White, who's going to come on one day with us, or if we can ever get ourselves to to link up with Carrie at a good time. You can, here, here's you can imagine why it's so difficult to get Carrie White nailed down to a time. She is a mom of nine children. Wow. And as she says, with the same man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a combined that. family. Yes. It's all their family. And her oldest child, um, Kimmy, had a TBI when she was active duty. And all of her children who are of age to be in the military are in the military. Carrie's a veteran. Wow. Her husband's a veteran. So it's a remarkable family. And um, for anybody who takes care of someone with a traumatic brain injury, you know how draining that is on your, on yourself, on your family, on your resources. And yep. uh, to do that with eight other children is quite remarkable. So Carrie, so Carrie, tell us a little bit about, um, about your children. Um, you said th- three of your children um, need you to be uh, more of a parent a little more on the caregiving side. So if you could tell us a little bit about them, that would be fantastic. Yeah, sure. So um, on the other side, I, I take care of a, a veteran who has TBI. And then through, um, we were very blessed. We have five children. And my our eldest child was, um, it's really her story to tell, but she has severe PTSD and anxiety and depression to the point she is pretty much non-functional and she's 15. Um, our next in step, our 11 year old is, uh, getting tested for the autism spectrum, but we assume he's kind of an Asperger's. He's, um, extremely gifted, but, uh, shows all kind of the telltale marks for autism. And so now that he's turned 11, we're finally getting him tested. And then, um, my next child, uh, who's a girl has been diagnosed with kind of severe ADHD, um, and celiac. Um, and we're also, as she's getting a little bit older, suspecting that she might be on spectrum too. So they both get to go to testing in two months. Yay. Um, <laughs> to kind of figure out that. Wow. But uh, if you can imagine a household where, <laughs> where your husband has TBI, um, or I guess they're, they're, they're kind of caught between TBI and toxic encephalopathy, which is scary sounding. And you have memory lapses there and memory lapses in the severe PTSD. And then you have emotional meltdowns because um, the macaroni and cheese is the wrong texture or, <laughs> <laughs> or the, uh, the, the clothing feels wrong um, because it's not the right fabric. Um, so, and then we have a four-year-old also trying to potty train right now um, because our life went crazy in the last year and I didn't get to it yet. So that's my life and that's my household. <laughs> that's my life and I'm sticking to it. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's totally, as a matter of fact, we, we had a complete meltdown this morning um, because the password didn't work to get into Khan Academy, which is where my son does his science because he is, he, he truly is gifted. He's 11. He understands algebra. He's working on like algebra three. Wow. Um, you know, he's doing physics. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> you passed me away a <laughs> long time ago. Here, have Khan Academy because they help you walk through it, right? Um, and anyway, we had a complete and utter meltdown because his password didn't work. 
man. And then watching the uh, my husband trying to do tech support some days is just comical. So that that's kind of been my morning, and I'm sitting here in a closet with my second cup of coffee, going, "Okay, let's be real." <laughs> right, but you're probably enjoying it. It's like um, a little bit of self care right now because yes, <laughs> you have to tell everybody that you have to do this thing, and they're they can't be doing it with you. I used to yes. do that with school when I, I went back to school in my 30s and people would say, oh, this is so hard. And I'd say, no. <laughs> no. I just say, no, I'm sorry, I have to go do my homework. It's my little ball of sanity right now. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's how we feel about it. It's, this is this is Jennifer and I um, podcast for self-care, probably because we do get to take time away and just focus on this one thing and we really mm-hmm. love it. And we get to meet other people like you and um, some of our other fellows and some other caregivers. And um, so that's that's a lot of fun. And you'd, you'd probably be a great guest on our other podcast, right, Jen? Tell her about Sarcasm Sisters. Sarcasm Sisters, which has its own Facebook page, facebook.com slash Sarcasm Sisters, um, was our first podcast. And the first season, we did talk a lot about caregiving and about our past and our stresses. Um, and then the the second season, we've we've ventured out a little bit more and started talking to guests and about what they're what's going on in their life and what's sort of fun and quirky and, um, you know, fun and quirky things are having a child who requires so much of your time but you know can do physics, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, so I can't write his name. <laughs> uh, Sarcasm Sisters is uh, is all about talking about those things in our life that give us uh, the much needed break. Uh, which is what podcasting does for us. And also it's quite inspiring for me to be able to um, share this time with other caregivers and really reflect on the last, not just 14 years of my life, but I was a caregiver um, before I, I helped start helping my brother a uh, caregiver for my grandmother at the end stages of her life. And then also I am my, my mother's guardian. Uh, she had a stroke a number of years back and uh, is in long-term nursing care facility. And um, so while I don't do hands-on caregiving for her, I do have responsibilities. So Mm -hmm. for me, and this is going to sound terrible, uh, talking to other people who know what it's like to have so many spoons in the pot, um, (laughs) just like I do, really, it makes me feel better, I guess. Misery loves company. (laughs) (laughs) This is so true, isn't it? I'm just thinking I might I might need to step out here for a second and all and as all uh, caregivers will understand, there we have quite a commotion going out there. I think the physical therapist just showed up and it looks like Tom might have a um a brewing pressure sore. So mm. I, need, I need him to look at that. So I'll be right back and Jen, I know you'll take over so great. Yeah, we totally will. So okay. um I'd like to know a little bit more about what inspired you to apply to become an Elizabeth Dole Foundation fellow and you have so many things going on already so (laughs) I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that sure and I will preface I'll I'll clean it up a little bit um I thought this was for sarcasm sisters so I'll I'll, (laughs) I'll rein in the humor a little bit (laughs) oh no it's fine we we can dual broadcast oh so why Sorry about uh, that. This caregiver life is um, the issues that face caregiving. And okay. sometimes those issues are have to be sarcastic, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes. We have to have that balance in our life. Oh, yeah. Um, because if you're not laughing and sarcastic about it, you are really going to curl up in a corner and cry somewhere. So mm-hmm. I, I'd much rather laugh. Um, so why add 
a dull fellowship to the rest of my insane life. Um, we are, <laughs> I joke, we're old folks. Um, I'm <laughs> coming into my, I, I'm turning 40 this year. And my husband has been injured for over 13 years. Um, we've been in the VA for a very, very long time. Um, now, if you do quick math in your head, if anybody's out there and doing quick math in your head, my, our oldest is 15. Our next is 11. So you will understand that every single one of my kids has pretty much grown up either in military hospitals or in the VA. Mm-hmm. Um, I am that crazy person who had infants strapped to my chest while going to my husband's medical appointment. <laughs> oh. um, because that's how we did it. Our VA, uh, for the most of the time, was 92 miles away, one way. Um, so two-hour trip there, because Minneapolis traffic is a bear. Two-hour trip there, your typical four to six hours in the VA, because that's how long Minneapolis always took. And then two to four hours, you know, two hours home, unless you got caught in rush hour, and then it's four hours home, right? Right. Um, this all makes sense to everyone who knows the system. We'd get there, and I'd get stopped, and why did you bring those? <laughs> um, where, where do you want me to put them? A, he's a nursing infant, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, um, at this time, our eldest was in school um, until, so she's had anxiety issues for a long time. She stopped functioning in a school environment in the second grade. Um, and it's, like I said, it's a long story, and it's really her story to tell, but by the third grade, we were homeschooling her. Um, part of that was also, and I'm sure other caregivers will get this. I just detailed a six at minimum to 10 hour day. There's no, there's no way to drop your kid off at school, have a six to 10 hour day and then come pick them up. Right. There's not. For our listeners who aren't familiar, uh, maybe you receive your care, um, locally in your community, or even if you have to commute for your care, um, the VA, um, during the past you know, decade that we've been involved at the VA and, and the same with you, um, assigns appointments to you. You may not request appointment days. And the process for trying to change an appointment um, can be quite lengthy. Uh, sometimes it's met with abrasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I hate to say that, that has been the, that has been the case. And I know there are a lot of people within um, the VA that are working to change that. I'm much appreciative of those efforts because if you are assigned an appointment at 7.30 a.m., that's an hour and a half drive from your home. So your day starts at 6 at the, at the latest. Yes. And you are not, then you would not be able to drop the child off at school. You wouldn't even be able to drop them off at before school care because it wouldn't be open yet. Correct. Then you have appointments that may range from 7.30 in the morning. Your next one might not be till 1. Correct. And the final one might not be until 4.30, which puts you back home after after school care would have closed. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm sounding really passionate about that because I am, uh, because that was my life for so many years um, and trying to beg for appointments that were closer together mm-hmm. um, or not on this day, because that is the day that I'm already scheduled to do X, Y, and Z. And with my other life, that's important. And um, well, and I'm, I'm passionate about it too. It's one of the reasons I stepped into the fellowship was because now, now take that scenario. And and obviously if you didn't catch it yet, we've homeschooled for 
um, that we're going into our eighth year this fall. Um, one of the things homeschooling has allowed us to do is actually take the kids with. Now, we have faced enormous flack at the VA for bringing mm-hmm. kids along with us. Um, but, I, I mean, go ahead and price out infant care in any area. It's easily $1,600 a month. And that's years ago. Um, so to drop my infant off and pay $1,600 when I can't work because I'm a full-time caregiver and drag my husband who has literally lost a job due to the amount lost at the VA, you know, just timeline wise. Right. Um, and then you get, I mean, you just take your kids along with you and like, oh, it's okay. Just miss a day of school. Well, now you're facing truancy. Right. And, and I've heard this from a number of caregivers yes. that the backlash from that from the school, um, it, it can almost be criminal. You yes. Can, um, some of these schools will involve child services and yes. your child may be doing all the work and you really have no control over this situation. Um, Correct. And for many of us, um, it's we don't have neighbors, family, community support. No. Part of the foundation's um, Hidden Heroes initiatives are to strengthen um, support or even establish them in some places. But, but it really doesn't exist right now. And it certainly didn't exist um, for you. No. And I want to, I want to make it really clear the number of caregiving disabled veteran couples who are homeschooling because huge. of this is phenomenal. It's, it's huge. It's unbelievable. It's huge. And it's one of the reasons I'm <clears throat> so adamant. And one of the reasons I wanted to take on the fellowship is bring light to, it's not just the veteran. Um, it's not just the veteran. It's the veteran plus his family. We have, you know, younger generations. Um, And I mean, the support wasn't there 10 years ago. I know it wasn't there for previous generation vets. And it's one of those things I want to work to change because I don't want to see anyone else come after us, face the same struggles of, of showing up at an appointment with kids and, and being told by a surgeon, well, they shouldn't be here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I absolutely um, understand that. Being, I will say being stopped by the, security and being yeah. told they're not supposed to be here, and I'm like, where do you want me to put them? <laughs> um, uh, or you can't bring your stroller yes. to the hospital. Oh. I've, I've actually seen that yes. at our facility. Yeah, um, security telling um, a, a young mother that she couldn't bring her stroller, and I I don't under I don't under fully understand the position. Um, and I, I want people to also understand when they see a family, a caregiving family that's homeschooling, that's one more thing. And Mary yes. and I talk about that a lot. And that's one more huge thing. It is. You should not have to be burdened with being, with providing your child then their education. But, but we must we do, in order we do. to accommodate this lifestyle. We do. And it is huge. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm fortunate in the fact that um, my work experience was very varied. Uh, I have a master's degree. I've taught college. Um, I was an administrator in a secondary school, so kind of middle high school. Um, worked in a Montessori school too, um, as well as, an, you know, ran a nonprofit and did all sorts of other stuff. So stepping into homeschooling was easier for me than it might be for other caregivers. But you're right. We shouldn't have to because it's the only choice between here and truancy we continue it because we have special needs in the house and it works for us because good lord if i had to do iep meetings on top of everything else i think i'd lose my mind Um, right i i i feel so 
deeply for those who are homeschooling and maybe they only have a high school education and maybe their child doesn't have special needs and they're really missing out on the social aspect yes. of what school provides. So Kara, yeah. could you, um, have you thought about trying to connect with other um, veteran families who are homeschooling to kind of network nationally and share resources and uh, have... ideas on how to, to sometimes work with the VA as you bring your children into the VA, kind of bringing it all together. It seems like it would be um, such a, a great uh, resource amongst yourselves. I've been connecting locally for years. Um, and this year, as a matter of fact, we did um, some travel. And I, I'm sure you guys probably understand. Uh, we got the lovely... Um, this is what your life looks like now. It's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. You're going to be wheelchair bound in five years. Uh, kind of talk last year. Mm-hmm. And um, without, a, without a firm, they're, they're looking at MS and, you know, some other things. And so without that firm thing, it, it's kind of the trauma of, oh, my gosh. Um, and my husband and I decided that we wanted to make memories with the kids and we traveled. Um, we, we got to go to Maine. Uh, we went to D.C. for the Easter egg roll. We spent time in Williamsburg. Uh, we saw Gettysburg. And so we had an enormously amazing time uh, this year. And, and during that, it was interesting for me as a caregiver, um, not only because it was crazy, uh, you know, RVing with multiple kids, but um, we got to connect with a lot of homeschoolers and specifically military homeschoolers along the way because we stayed at a lot of military campgrounds. Um, some of them were veteran, some of them were active. Um, so it, it hit me as we were traveling that this was definitely something that needed to be more on a national level uh, because there are, um, there are amazing resources out there that a lot of people don't know about that I fell into um, or researched my heart out until I found. Um, like, you know, the Homeschool Foundation actually has uh, financial help for military and veterans who are homeschooling. Uh, they also do uh, scholarships for widows who are homeschooling. Um, you know, it, it, because part of it, and I wanted to go back to that social aspect, you know, one of the ways we keep our kids social is if we're not in a co-op, we pay for extracurricular activities when we can. And there are scholarships out there for that. But if you don't have immediate funding for that, that's yet one more burden on that um, disabled veteran family, because we all know we're on a, you're on a fixed income. Um, so, it, but I want to connect more nationally. And that's one of the reasons I stepped into the fellowship uh, to start more of a talk amongst veterans nationally who are homeschooling because of the situation, if that makes sense. Um, because it's not as cut and dry as it seems. Well, that makes sense. And I, um, I, I think you really could get some, some things moving on it. You probably could even have a conversation with other fellows right now who are homeschooling and those resources that you can share mm-hmm. and then grow would be tremendous. You know, as a, as a teacher myself, well, former teacher myself, well, maybe you're always a teacher. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think it's an <laughs> attitude. It doesn't really change. Sure you should never not be a teacher. Whenever I say anything, I'm like, okay. And then for example, <laughs> to drive home my point, but yes. I think, um, 
as as a teacher, there's nothing better than having other other teachers or other people who are involved in education to brainstorm with and um, to help you be better at what you're doing with the kids. But I also think that um, beyond that, um, making some, you know, being sort of parallel with the Dole Foundation's effort to bring the family more into the VA. Can, Jen, can you talk a little bit about that initiative? Is it, is it, aren't we with the foundation um, trying to create more awareness of the military kids and, um, and the VA? Or am I um, yeah, so the, the Hidden Heroes Initiative um, has touched you know, so, so many um, aspects of our lives and one of those is the, um, the, I'm, I'm going to get this, uh, make sure I want to get this name right. So <laughs> the, um, the campaign for inclusive care, and uh, it's just a fancy way of saying, including the caregiver, um, and every aspect of the veterans care, because how can you not, how can you not include the person who is there 24 seven, um, going to appointments, but also doing the hands-on care and, and really sees the veteran more than any other provider and has the true big picture. So the Campaign for Inclusive Care is all about that. And what it will produce is an educational piece for VA employees to teach them how to make that possible in their facilities. Um, it's lofty. Um, I'm super hopeful that it will, it will help. And I'm certain that many of the conversations will include some of the topics that we've been discussing here, um, al allowing children or, or being open to children being in certain parts of the facility. Um, and I want to say this, the OIF, OEF, OND, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation New Dawn uh, clinics inside of the VA facilities do have nursing rooms, um, the one in Indianapolis has a little a little playhouse inside of it and toys and books. Mm -hmm. um, however, that's just one small part of the facility. And what we also know is that many veterans and their caregivers um, are also uh, responsible for grandchildren um, or they're, they've waited until they're older to have children, until they're no longer in the OIF, OEF clinic. They're part of the regular hospital. Um, and and so the kids really need to be allowed everywhere. And it's okay. When I go to a civilian facility, um, I can take a child and it's fine. Nobody cares. Nobody, mm -hmm. you know, we, we pick up the highlights off the, off the side table and we, we look <laughs> for the pages that haven't been colored yet. And that's what we do, right? So the, the um, Campaign for Inclusive Care through the Dole Foundation, I hope, will, will make more inroads in, in that regard. And um, well, and I think people I, like you telling your story will will be um, critical to that success. And I think, um, I, I mean, I'm speaking specifically for one VA. It did get easier in the last few years. Um, some of the clinics actually had kid bags that they could play with that had crayons and stuff. I mean, we we were prepared. We always brought school and we brought you know games and things for them to do. Um, and they, they had a wide open meeting area, kind of lounge area they could go sit in if I needed to, if one of the providers just absolutely would not let them in um, to the clinic space. Uh, and so I, I think in some respects, it's a little bit better than it started 10 years ago, but that's one specific facility. And I, I've talked, I mean, one of the reasons I, I wore my kids in a sling was because we were one of those families who were like, nope, sorry, you can't take a stroller in. 
oh, okay, I'll, I'll pick up my husband off the floor with the sling on. Great. You know, no problem. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just the frustration of it shouldn't, like you said, it shouldn't be a fight. It shouldn't be um, one more struggle on top of everything else. And, and it, I, I'm excited for the hope that it will be more open, especially as this campaign started, starts coming. Um, that'll be more open to understanding whether it be a traditional family or like you mentioned, grandkids, um, whatever it is that they're far more understanding. Um, Something as simple as we got a call for a C&P exam, which, you know, of course you can't miss. Yeah. The compensation and pension review, which uh, many veterans have to experience multiple times in their lives. Yes. Tons. Um, but we got a call for one and you can't move them. You can't refuse them. You can't do anything. And it was at this same day within an hour of testing, we'd waited for our oldest for over six months. And so this is one of those things that as a caregiver of multiple people and multiple disabilities, you're going, I hate being put into the position where I have to choose which one comes first. Um, if that makes sense, what can I move and what can I not? It, we ended up having to move hers because the VA was so inflexible about there being someone else in the line that needed help. Um, I've, I've had VA workers tell me, I, I really don't care about your family. This is about the veteran. Mm-hmm. Okay. When, when in reality, that facility should be the most welcoming place for us to take our military families. Yes. Yes. So there's, I'd love to see a culture shift, but it's one of those things I'm passionate about. And one of those things I don't mind telling my story because I I know I'm not alone. Um, I know other caregivers with children with special needs, whether it be, um, you know, autism, whether it be cerebral palsy, whether it be whatever, Um, it it doesn't matter. There's more than just one cog working in this machine. And I'd love to see the inclusive care campaign come in and help them understand that there's more than one cog in this machine. When it's well, the family can affect whole fellows. Sorry, Mayor. Oh, no, it's okay. Well, it's the family that, um, it's the family that's so good for the veteran usually too. So it's really a win-win when the family is welcome into the VA and into the appointments. It's good for the veteran and it's good for the caregiver and it's good for the kids. And, um, you know, it's really, it's actually really that simple. We're going to have this, you know, when you think about it, this huge movement, this huge effort on the Dole Foundation when it's really just that simple. It's no different than anything any one of the VA employees would want with their own children. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Yeah, exactly. So just to shift here a little bit, um, I have a question, Kara, about um, since you have so many multiple things going on in your family as a parent. So you have, you have these several roles that you play, several hats you wear, spouse, mom, caregiver to your veteran, <laughs> caregiver to your children. Um, when it comes to your children who have special needs, how do you separate out or can you even separate out your caregiving role and your parenting role? I, I, I don't know that they're separate. Um, and I know that sounds probably odd um, because I mean, part of being 
I, the joke in our household is part of being a good parent is putting yourself out of a job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I think part of being a good caregiver is empowering who you're caregiving to take on what they can. Um, and I, I see those roles working side by side. Um, I, I am not the kind of caregiver to uh, be super, oh, I'll do everything for you. Um, mm-hmm. That That's not what I, I feel is best for the kids. And it's definitely not what my husband wants. Um, we, we try to teach them, you know, try and fail. It's okay. Now on the flip side, you know, I, I find the caregiver and parent role goes pretty well too with, no, really, you can't do that. <laughs> um, if that makes sense. It's a little bit easier sometimes as a parent than it is as a spouse is, no, really, you didn't think that through and that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't go over very well when you're caregiving for an adult, that's for sure. But um... it, it, it feels to me like it's a much more finer line um, as a spouse than it is as a parent. Um Definitely not that we are the, you know, because I said so type of parents, but yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'd have to say that they're intrinsically linked. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, right now uh, the oldest is we're, we're, she has all these big dreams and we want to help her with those. So she's doing some pretty intensive therapy. We're doing a service dog. You know, we've got all these things, tools that she's using to help her become more functional in society um, and sometimes it's it's having those really tough conversations of you've got to do this. You can't just go curl up. No, I'm I'm gonna kick you a little because you've got to do this. And um, and that sometimes I feel is a parent role as well. Is pushing them when they need a little bit of pushing, but understanding what that line is when you can't push anymore. Um, yeah, I just think it's more it's more challenging maybe than um, for for the parent who has to caregive to that degree. Cause I think when our, when our children are not special needs children, they don't have anything, you know, super extraordinary going on in their life that we, we can, um, to some degree. Well, I mean, I did this, so I don't know why I said some degree. And my kids were in high school. My son was asthmatic growing up, but apart from that, when he was in high school, um, he went to summer school every summer because every year he failed something. <laughs> and I, and, and people will say, well, how did that happen? And, you know, didn't, weren't you tracking and weren't you pushing? And I would say, well, to the degree that you can, you know, as a, anybody who's had high school children, yep. or been a high school teacher would know you can only push so far and then it's up to them sink or swim. And so it is. Um, and I think they're a few times. I, I think it is, you know, at, at some point it's got to be sink or swim. I think that's a finer line. Because, um, I mean, obviously one of ours is in high school. And there's, and even at the 11-year-old stage, there's a frustration of you are old enough that you should be able to do this by yourself. And yet that special needs or that disability may preclude them from being able to. Right. That's where I think as a parent you have to take it to an extra level where yes, uh, maybe um, – you know, in the, like in the situation with my son, um, he didn't have any extraordinary needs in that way. And so I, I didn't have to ever take that into consideration. I didn't have to weigh that out. And um, his teachers were entirely frustrated with him. And they were frustrated with me and that I wouldn't do more. 
but I, you know, I felt like you had to learn your lessons, you know, um, who yeah. liked summer school? He never liked them. And I felt like <laughs> he had to learn his lessons and he grew up to be a big, strong, strapping infantry guy who's going to, will end up um, retiring from the military. So I think he, he did really well, but he, and he'll tell you to today that he has still has to learn lessons by, by having them happen to him more than being told not to do something. So that's who he is in his learning, yeah. I think. But, but I didn't have to take it to the degree you did. And I, I, um, I, I applaud you so much because I think it's, it's, um, it's a challenge. And um, I mean, obviously, we haven't met in person. We haven't met your kids. But it sounds like you're doing such a fantastic job with your family. Oh, I'm, I'm trying. Whether I'm getting there or not is a whole different battle. <laughs> you, you won't know for a while. Years. Yeah. And, and there is a different, I mean, to kind of to, to keep going there, there is a difference. Um, I, not to pick on my 11 year old, but um, like I said, he's a, uber smart, um, can't write his name and has no idea of why baths are important or can't remember to, you know, brush his teeth. And so those are things that, you know, in my mind by 11, we should already be doing because my seven year old is just fine. <laughs> You know, um, you know, my, my seven year old's good with it, but it, it's, it's, and I think those are where it's extra parenting. Um, mm-hmm. you know, look, son, you really have to get out of the pajamas you've been wearing for two days. It, it's just, it's time, uh, you know, go take a bath, go brush your teeth. Um, so in, in I, I think in that sense, there is more that you carry on. Um, but it, it's kind of like any of us being forced in a caregiver role. We didn't ask for it, but we're here. We're going to make the best of it. Um, and you keep going and this is part of life and I'm not the type of person to sit here and cry about it and fuss about it because it's only wasted energy. Um, I I've got to do what needs to be done and hopefully eventually we'll get down the way and give them every tool they can to fly on their own. And, um, and then maybe I'll just be one person caregiving. (laughs) (laughs) The dream of being a one person caregiver. <laughs> there is a truth to that statement. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, we really appreciate you coming on today. Jen, you have more questions? Um, I think that my my final question might be what are your uh plans coming up? You said you do a lot of travel and I really admire that. So, what's your next trip? Uh right now, I have no idea. Um we are stationary right now. Um with our, uh, with one of our children going through the service dog training and the, um, the, 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 the extra treatment she's doing here. Um, An important note for our listeners. You don't just get a service dog. You oh, drive gosh. and pick it up like a puppy at the, at the mall. <laughs> okay, it's, it's a real time commitment. <laughs> please, please. Can it just be, can I just go pick one up? Because that'd be so easy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, after this call, I have to run to the vet again. We will be at the vet for the third time this week because the dog is vomiting. <laughs> right. And service dogs are so sensitive that yes. um, we experienced this too. Um, when we onboarded him to our family, he did have, he did throw up a lot. He yes. got, you know, he was nervous and probably, you know, he had a new job and he wanted to make sure his boss liked him. Yeah. And, and he's not <laughs> eating. He's not drinking. We had, yeast, like, we had like, we had oh. a massive amount of yeasty paws with us when we onboarded. The <laughs> I mean, and I think that was like nervousness because they sweat in their paws. 
oh my gosh thank you I needed that because I thought it was just us <laughs> no it's everyone oh. it's all of us <laughs> and, well, she's on, and she has thyroid problems now oh, <laughs> oh my gosh I thought yeah, it was just ours us and- has, um, ours is in his eighth year of service and he is um so he's getting older and he has a lot of tumors so he's already he's had two surgeries in the past year um it's become quite expensive they're not cancer but we have to take them out and it's now we are like caregiving for the service dog (laughs) i feel that way right now and we actually are in line to pick up my husband's service dog hopefully within this year so i'm like can we just iron out one before we get the second (laughs) please 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 so, uh, but that's actually our next trip is we have to travel out of state uh, where we're at uh, to go do training for my husband. And then um, this is the problem being a traveling veteran is his home care is in Sioux Falls. We are, we winter in the South. And so his, um, he has neurology and specialty follow-ups down here. So we're trying to coordinate everything right now. Um, it's so tough. We do the same thing and it's, yeah. It's take seven phone calls for every appointment. Oh, I I kid you not. I have spent 51 and a half hours. I timed it on the phone this week and last week just to get a dental appointment for my husband. Um, yep. And I literally timed it because I was like, I got to see how bad this is going to be. <laughs> because people don't believe you when you're like, I'm on the phone all week. This is my full-time job with the VA. But dental apparently <laughs> works weird. and So differently. <laughs> yes. It's, it's completely outside the normal realm. And so, yes. Okay. So 51 and a half hours on the phone for a dental appointment. But we finally have it sort of state, scheduled. Well, we hope that wherever your next trip is. <laughs> Um, that it's wonderful and provides you with some relaxation. It, it will. Um, I know we're actually um, scheduled to go to a retreat in Maine this year. So we are uber excited about that. Um, so we're really excited. That's kind of our next big trip that we scheduled with, with this service dog coming on and another one and some specialty appointments. We, we kind of said, let's settle for just a little bit to kind of figure out what the next big leap is because I need a break. And then- mm-hmm. You do need a break. And then we'll schedule that next, um, you know, that next travel and, you know, what we want to see. So you need a bigger break than sitting in the closet podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, that I will say is the hardest thing about caregiving for multiple people in the house, especially when they're children, is that notion of Mm self-care is so much harder to achieve. Give us one one pointer on self-care for the incredibly busy, overwhelmed caregiver. And, and that's how we'll wrap up our podcast today. Um, make it doable and make it small. You may never get someone to watch your special needs children while you run to a spa or while you run to, you know, whatever else. Um, you know, that, that typical, you know, I'm getting my nails done or I'm getting massage or I'm getting my hair cut. Um, I haven't had a haircut in every year. <laughs> you may not get that when things go to pot. So be prepared to make it small. Right now, my self-care is a cup of coffee in the sunshine every morning. And if I have to answer questions during it, I will. And I just picked up an audio book and I've been setting I've been doing a puzzle at night because it's five minutes. I can sit down, listen to a book and do a puzzle. And after I put everybody to bed and and there you go. So make it flexible, make it small and, and just 
understand that it may not be the big stuff right now and that it may come later. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have you back on if you if you think you survived this. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Edit at will. <laughs> right. have, have a good day, everybody. Thanks. You Bye-bye. too. Bye. Thanks for listening to This Caregiver Life today. We know that you've taken away a lot from Kara's story, and I just want to say how honored Mare and I are to serve with Kara as Dole Fellows with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. Kara understands the harsh realities of being a caregiver and raising young children and the challenges that veteran caregivers face. And we just want to thank her for her time and participating. If you'd like to be a guest here on This Caregiver Life, please let us know. We can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thiscaregiverlife. Until next time, take care.